We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my fabulous friend and my soul sibling. I'm so honored to be connecting with you for a little while here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. So who of us has not struggled with a bit of fear and anxiety and worry? This is, unfortunately, a prevalent human condition. However, even I was surprised to hear that the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, the ADAA, has reported that 40 million American adults suffer from an actual anxiety disorder. So why is this? And what can we do about it? There is the option of choosing to participate in talk therapy, but this can be time-consuming, expensive, and in fact, trigger even more anxiety. There's also the possibility of taking anti-anxiety medications, but they can be like a Band-Aid for the real problem and also have some pretty negative side effects. Today, I'm happy to be sharing with you another possible option and solution. We have the honor and privilege to be connecting with a psychiatrist with more than 40 years experience. He's been helping patients face and overcome their anxieties with less or no medications or prolonged therapy sessions. After his simple accessible techniques are learned, you can do this in the comfort of your own home. All you need is a quiet space and a chair. I'm very excited to be learning more about this technique with our guest, Dr. Robert London. Dr. London is a well-known psychiatrist, cognitive therapy expert educator, and writer. He is the founder and former head of the short-term psychotherapy unit at NYU Longone Medical Center. Dr. London is a pioneer in consumer healthcare radio and TV programming. His articles and columns appear in his own newspaper column, as well as in leading medical journals and popular magazines. He's a frequent expert source to national television, radio, and print outlets. Today, we're going to be delving into his new book, Find Freedom Fast, Short-Term Therapy That Works. So, Dr. London, thank you for saying yes to this conversation today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate uh, your introduction, and I'm glad to be with you. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your backstory and why you wrote this book. Well, I've been writing newspaper columns uh, for the last 35 years, and I've been writing basically on short-term therapy techniques. I introduced the method I created, the Learning, Philosophizing, and Action Technique, LPA, and then I decided to put some of this stuff into a book trying to explain how short-term therapy works. Uh, when I finished my training program at NYU Bellevue in New York City, I, I went up to uh, Columbia Presbyterian and trained under a great mentor, Dr. Herb Spiegel, who was an expert in behavior modification, cognitive therapy before it was named, and hypnosis. And he was very, very helpful to putting me into this model. Of course, I got some of the impetus from my surgeon father, who, uh, when I, after I finished uh, medical school and chose psychiatry, my father said to me, well, if you're going to be a psychiatrist, and he was very supportive in this after he tried to talk me into other fields, <laughs> he said, learn something the other people don't do. And uh, he said that they're, they're putting people in the hospital for long periods of time. They get them into talk therapy that has 
uh, a beginning, a very long middle, and sometimes no end. And, you know, try and just address the problem. If, if, if the roof is leaking, fix the leak. You don't have to tear down the whole house. So basically, I, I, that really, really, really appealed to me. So I learned these various short-term techniques. Early on in the uh, mid to late 70s, there were short-term techniques being taught, but they were more uh, uh, based on psychoanalytic, the old-fashioned kind of Freudian stuff, just made a bit shorter. So after I studied what I had to at New York Presbyterian with Dr. Spiegel, I started the short-term psychotherapy unit at NYU Bellevue, and we started with smoking cessation, which was a one-shot visit, and weight control, which was also a one-shot visit. And then we branched off into anxiety and phobias and some a civilian type of post-traumatic stress disorder. And as I furthered this along, we uh, included insomnia. And basically, it's not going to be a panacea for everybody. But basically, many, many folks who are in this longer-term therapy uh, need to have the problem circumscribed, just what are you here for? You go to see the orthopedic surgeon for a sore shoulder and they, they don't look at the toenails, okay? Mm-hmm. And ba- basically you have a piece of dirt in your eye, you don't take the whole eye apart. So my, my thing is you have this anxiety for a specific thing or one or two specific things or you're phobic in some area and you circumscribe that problem and focus on it. If after it's done, the person wants to delve more into what's going on, that's okay too. But let's just fix what's happening. Um, You know, a gentleman could be be fearful, anxiety-ridden and phobic about dogs. And every time this guy would uh, see a dog, he'd cross the street and sweat, he'd hyperventilate, maybe his blood pressure would go up. And and basically, he was okay. He was miserable, but he was okay as long as he didn't come anywhere near a dog. So the guy comes to visit me, and sure enough, in, in terms of the learning, philosophizing, and action, which I outline in my book, Find Freedom Fast, um, it turned out he grew up with his mother and his grandmother who did not like dogs. You know what? That's okay. If you don't like dogs, that's just fine. However, in his lifestyle, in his trajectory of life, it turned into an anxiety slash phobic situation where he couldn't deal with it. And it would bring out some real physiological responses that were not particularly healthy for him. Mm-hmm. He has a plan in mind to go visit a friend he hadn't seen for 10 years and the friend's family uh, a thousand miles away, he went to college with this man. And suddenly while he's making the plans, he finds out his friend has a dog. And now all bets are off. <laughs> and here he is with me. So what, what happens? Well, this is a history. Mama and grandma didn't like dogs. But you're okay not to like dogs, okay? This is how it works. Nevertheless, as I said earlier, he became anxious and phobic. So the first thing we did uh, after I got this history was get a very good dog book. And he gets the very good dog book. He brings it in. We look at it together. And then he's looking at it at home on a regular, regular basis. And at first he's anxious. And after a while, he starts feeling after a week or 10 days or two weeks, he's very, very comfortable turning those pages. Mm -hmm. And the next step is 
And this is a critical, critical step in a behavior modification program. Do you know anybody who you like and who you trust who has a nice, friendly, jolly dog? Mm -hmm. And of course he does. Now, can you set up with this person, if they're willing, for them to have the dog on a leash and at various times in the week, two, three, and even four times a week, you take a certain period of time to yourself with a friend who you trust and you walk towards that dog on the leash. Critical point, the dog never comes to you. That's why the friend has to be trusted and not a prankster. Right. So you are in, you are, you have the nidus of control within yourself and you walk towards the dog. Eventually, if you can, you pat the dog. It turned out over a period of two or three weeks, he was actually able to do this. In the process, his anxiety and his phobic response uh, subsided, and he was able to finally pat the dog. Uh, the, the upshot here is that he was able to visit his friend who had the dog. The friend knew in advance he had had anxiety and phobic responses to dogs, so the friend was not going to take his dog and pop him on his lap. On the other hand, this was a successful outcome, and the idea was, almost for a lifetime uh, at various times to keep desensitizing yourself to the dog or dogs uh, in a way, in a way that um, keeps the anxiety and public response from coming back to you. And this is circumscribing the problem. It's not spending time, you know, looking at someone who looks unhappy and they tell you that, Oh, I'm unhappy when it rains. And then you spend a month and a half talking about why you're unhappy when it rains. And I know this sounds comical, but realistically, uh, this is what sometimes the talk therapy is about. Mm -hmm. There are other issues in mental health that truly need medication management. There are sometimes when people need a hospitalization. So I'm certainly not against the use of medications or even hospital care. Um, but there are, in my years of experience, so many areas in the talk therapy world that can be circumscribed and treated as a specific problem, the same way most of uh, healthcare and medical care does when a, when a person, a patient has a problem. Yeah, I was surprised to read because you are a psychiatrist and a cognitive psychotherapist that you actually say change is the most elusive part of talk therapy. Oh, you, you, you're, you're so right there, you nailed it. Uh, it's so hard to measure change in a human person, in a human being, in personality, and it's very, very elusive. And folks have written volumes, volumes about what changes here, what changes there. And change is best expressed by the person you're working with. Right. Is their quality of life changed? Has it gotten better? Are they over the problem? Right. Um, and that's a, that's a very important that's our subjective way of basically uh, measuring change. Can someone who is fearful of driving over a bridge after getting uh, some cognitive therapy or hypnotherapy uh, with a strategy, are they now able to more comfortably drive across the bridge? Right. And the same, and uh, this is how, how it does work. And okay. if you need more care, you come back for more. Right. Okay. So Dr. London, can you actually talk about, LPA in a nutshell, the three areas that you address to create this kind of um, change or healing in oneself that they can learn to do on their own. My, my LPA, learning, philosophizing, and action is something I created uh, uh, 
which is my spin on cognitive behavior therapy. Cognitive behavior therapy is the rage today. CBT, everyone wants it. I'm not sure how many people really know how to do it. But the reality is it's complicated. What is cognitive behavior therapy? So mm -hmm. I decided to, to take it in a different track and sort of rename what I'm doing. Let's learn something about how you got the way you are. Mm -hmm. Let's philosophize about it and how it's affected your life in so many ways. And let's see what kind of a plan we can make, if you're willing. Motivation is really important here. What kind of a plan we can make to get the action going? And this dog experience can be applied in many, many areas. We had a motivated person who's very clear about what he learned from mama and grandmama. Uh, he obviously uh, could explain clearly once we focused on it, how it affected his life and his uh, vocational and social work, which uh, I'm not going into all that right now. And we set up a plan of action to get him uh, improved, better, and able to cope. And it works. So we learn something, we take a bigger view and philosophize about it, and then develop a plan of action. And, and of course, motivation, just like when I started the short-term therapy program, the people who came in to stop smoking were motivated to stop smoking. And people need to be motivated to um, uh, get rid of a phobic or anxiety or mm -hmm. uh, even insomnia situation. And it's, it's really, really important. You would know from your experience as well, there are those folks who will just yes, but you and yes, but you. <laughs> oh, the become... yeah, buts. I hate that. <laughs> right. And, and, they, and they're, they're, they're workable. And if you have a nice relationship with them, you can always explain that, look, the yes, but is not getting us anywhere. But they do take a little longer and yeah. the work can be a little harder. But that's true in any field. You know, somebody draws, wants to draw up a will in a lawyer's office. And sometimes it's a very easy will. And sometimes other factors come in and the will gets more complicated. Yes. Um, yeah. So we, we can expect that kind of stuff. So that, that's how I describe the LPA. And I try to describe it in Freedom, Find Freedom Fast in the book. Yep. And I do the best uh, I can to do that. And it just it's also a roadmap so people can become good consumers of mental health, just like you need to be a good consumer of, of general medicine. You're a good consumer when you go into the supermarket or the deli and you say, well, how long has this tuna fish been sitting here? You know, you're, you're being a good consumer and you hope someone says, well, it's there for three days and maybe you buy it. Maybe you don't buy it. But but the, the point is, you, know, you have to ask the therapist, regardless of what their degree is, psychiatry, psychologist, mental health, social worker, nurse practitioner. Um, what do you use? I've, I've got this problem. Um, it seems to be my problem. I want the shortest route possible to get better. Right. And uh, they have to be able to kind of outline it for you. If you can't put a perfect formula on it because you don't know what, what the outcome is going to be, but you have to be able to get the answer and not be labeled that you're resisting or you're difficult. You're just asking as a consumer. And obviously, yes. as we all know, there are nice ways to ask and there's not so nice ways to ask. Right. And you bring up a good point in your book. The more motivated somebody is, the better the outcome is going to be. It's like the stronger the intention, the deeper the desire, the better the result. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, some, some people are forced into a therapeutic, therapeutic situation because of work-related issues, because of social issues, because of family issues, and they don't want to be there. 
So yes. uh, those those folks who come in and say, how do you help me? This is what's going on with me. They obviously have a, have a quicker and a better outlook. But you yes. can work with the other folks as well. It, it, yes. it just It's a different approach for, for, the, for the beginnings. Right. So this is something I really liked reading in your book and found very interesting. Can't wait to hear more. You say the goal of LPA is to fix the problem so you can find freedom fast. But here's the silver lining. The result is far larger than the solution. Once the problem is solved, they are happier. But because we're people with souls and spirits and psyches, and because everything has an effect on everything else, it can have enormous effects. Solving one problem can help resolve other problems. So how does this ripple effect occur? Well, you, you, you learn a technique. And sometimes when you learn a certain technique to overcome one thing, that technique can be used without a therapeutic intervention into mm-hmm. other areas of life that may be, may be bothering you. Basically, you're taking charge of something. You, you, we're we're um, wired for one set of responses, which causes anxiety and phobias and stress. And we get rewired by learning, the, by solving the problem. And we can see for ourselves how we can have a different approach to a certain thing. And life, sometimes we get caught up in, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen. And... Um, we can uh, contrast things with things that are possible and things that are probable. You know, certain fears, certain anxieties uh, may be possible, and you're you're inundated with how it's going to happen. But are they probable? Okay, uh, mm-hmm. someone living in a big city, for example, may be terrified of snakes. But what's the possibility of snakes being in a big city, big urban center? It's it's not it's not that. Um, possible you're going to be inundated with with the snake and we we counter uh, we oppose possibility and probability maybe the sun won't rise tomorrow well the sun rises every day even on a cloudy day but when people have a flying phobia for example they think about oh maybe the pilot had a fight with their significant other oh maybe a fly will fall and find a fly a bird will fly into the engine however uh that's that's really being tyrannized by what doesn't really happen that often. It happens right. hardly at all because flying is extremely safe. And yes. th- th- that's how the brain starts to change and reprocess what's going on. And that's how we get back to what we talked about earlier, this elusiveness of change. And that's what cognitive therapy is. It's rethinking and, right. and with less emphasis on how did you feel about that? What did it remind you of? Uh, and that, as you know, can go on for a very, very long time and not even approach the subject that you come in to be uh, treated for. Right. And you say it's important to get kind of a new perspective on old problems. That's where the change can really start to occur. That's the key. A new perspective on the old set of problems. Is, is the bridge going to collapse? Okay. Um, there's, you know, there's the anxiety-ridden person who wants to get a raise at work and they go for two years, four years, five years, without ever asking the manager or the boss. And one day they get enough courage where they get some therapy or whatever motivates them. And they ask for the raise and the boss looks at them and says, gee, I wondered when you're gonna finally come and ask me for the raise. Everyone else does, why haven't you done it sooner? <laughs> and that's a shock because here their anxiety was, was so uh, intense about asking for the raise. And this right. can go on and on. I, I, you know, I think about the anxiety 
that pregnant women have in the workplace. Um, and I've seen a, a fair amount of that over my 40-year career. I remember one lady who was a hostess in a very busy, popular restaurant, and she became pregnant with her first child. And there were clearly other people in that restaurant who would have loved her job. She didn't have job security like you would uh, in a big corporation. Uh, there was no tenure, as you would in, in maybe the educational system. And the anxiety was just off the walls. And obviously, anxiety wasn't good for her, but it certainly wasn't very good for the fetus. Okay, And there's a lot of studies right. out there that have pointed to the fact that if you're anxious, something's going to change in the fetus and the baby could be anxious. That goes on a different track. And basically, uh, the focus was teaching her relaxation or hypnosis, getting her to imagine and view on a great big movie screen the the here and now joy of the pregnancy and the baby and how she was going to feel as a mother and that the most important thing and this is a concept I learned a long time ago when you're pregnant and having the baby it's not a nine-month deal it's not a nine-month deal it's at least a 12-month deal. You have the baby after nine months, and then from a physical point of view, the ligaments, the joints, the muscles have to get back into shape just like they change with the pregnancy. The endocrine system has to get back into shape. And mentally, you have to get back into shape because you've entered a new territory in life. So right. this lady did very, very well using the model of hypnosis with a great big movie screen. And interestingly enough, she went out to dinner with her husband one night to a different restaurant. This had nothing to do with me, but it sure worked in my favor. Um, and someone in the restaurant who worked there recognized her, um, saw she was pregnant and said, well, after your time is up, how would you like to come and work for us? We've heard you're great at what you do. She mm -hmm. took the job and got greater income, and there's a very good happy ending. That doesn't happen all the time. But the, but the ending was, was really good, and it worked out. Because as a hostess in a restaurant, she didn't have any real job security. Right. And um, this, were, this, this, was, this was a very good outcome. But she did control that overwhelming anxiety about not having a job. Yes. even before she got the new uh, job offer. And I think that helps. I think it shifts our vibration and then attracts opportunities. So that makes sense. Well, I love that story. But this is a very serious problem uh, in the country, for sure, uh, with women getting pregnant. I, mean, I knew another woman, a brilliant, brilliant lawyer. And this woman was lucky because she was in that rare group that actually had paid vacation for like four or five months in a, in a very big uh, serious law firm, but her anxiety and she a super smart person, great schools, you name it. However, um, the men were not treating her very well because they were having to, they would have to pick up the slack uh, mm. with, with the clients she was handling. And um, it caused her tremendous anxiety, even though she knew she wasn't going to lose the job and all that good stuff. And Teaching her how to relax in the same method uh, was was really good. She she really was able to control the anxiety. And as we talked a little bit, and it was shocking that she didn't see this herself, but that's why uh, a therapist can give someone a new perspective on the old set of problems. Uh, basically, the suggestion I made was, are there men in this firm who are very supportive of um, 
you having a baby because they have their own families. And sure enough, she knew them. So her approach before taking leave to have the baby was to relate more to the men who were positive. And it was shocking how many men became very positive towards her having this baby. And that made all the difference. But here she is, this super bright uh, person and didn't see that herself. And that's where the short-term model comes in. I try and demonstrate that in the, in the uh, Find Freedom Fast book, uh, the best way I can. So yes. as I said earlier, you become, a, besides learning some stuff, you become a, a good a consumer and realize that some of these problems can be solved quickly. And also, when you, when you have a quick solution to something, it could be a few months as opposed to a few years. It's obviously less costly. Um, but it takes a lot of the stigma away from um, therapy because no matter how you cut the cake, we still have this uh, huge stigma to someone seeing a therapist, you know? And there are people who say, well, if you're strong and tough, you wouldn't have the problem. Oh, mm-hmm. you know that only too that's well. So I know that. School. That's yeah. not true. That's the, no. that's the old tough approach. Old paradigm. And it, 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 yes, absolutely. Well, so Robert, try, I'm excited. Do... Yeah, I'm excited that um, we're going to be able to do another show with you. We actually just have another minute and a half so or left. And I'd love you to be able to do a shout out and let people know where they can grab a copy of your book or find out more about you. The book is on Amazon. Um, it's Find Freedom Fast. And there is also a website called FindFreedomFast.com. And those are the those are the two places. Um, I, I have a, a, a personal website called um drrobertlondon.com, which uh, has about the last 10 or 12 years of newspaper columns I've written, which deal with anxiety, with post-traumatic stress disorder, um, with phobias. So you can actually actually access some of these columns. But the book, as I said, is Find Freedom Fast. It is on Amazon. And then the website for it specifically is findfreedomfast.com. And it's, it's, it's a good read. Yes, it is. I enjoyed it. Yes. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes. And I'm I'm super. Yes, exactly. It's nice when it's enjoyable. And I'm excited (laughs) that you said yes to a second show with me. I'm looking forward to talking more about uh, the subconscious mind, guided meditation, hypnosis. That's the realm that I love. So to my listeners and to my friends, thank you for making us a part of your day. And I hope you'll listen to my next show with Dr. Lund. In the meantime, take great, gentle care of yourself And I look forward to hearing from you. TammyBPhD.com. Onward and upward. Bye for now. 